Hello, welcome back everybody. It's Outside the Huddle. It's Andy with James and Paul. Everybody well? Uh, there is nothing to be said since last week. Yeah, from a, from an English football perspective, these are dark days indeed. I have, I've spoken to Andy about it, I haven't spoken to James about it, so... But I already know how James feels, because it's probably the same as me. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, I think I've been quite vocal about it on Twitter, to be honest. Um, I don't know, I've all been forgotten memory now, isn't it? It's, all, yeah. it's not about what's on the pitch anymore, it's about what's off it, and that's really annoying. But um, Yeah, let's talk about the NFL. <laughs> Absolutely, we, you know, don't set me off, because I shall get upon my high horse and I won't come down. Um so let's talk about a better sport. We're going to continue our divisional preview series this week. We're on to the South, the NFC South. Um, James, you will get your chance to tell us why we shouldn't all hate the books this season. Um, that'll come later. But uh, helping us work through this one tonight, we have a special guest. We have former Falcons reporter, William McFadden. William, nice to see you. Yeah, what's up, Andy? Uh, it's great to be here with you guys. I will, you know, sympathize with all of you uh, <laughs> for the England uh, football team. I did not, uh, I guess, admonish my brother-in-law as much as I should have. He So he spent a week, I guess, in Venice and then all of a sudden was an uh, Italy fan. <laughs> for 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 football and he wanted during the semifinals when England won he was rooting against England because he didn't want Italy to have to play England mm-hmm. in Wembley and and as a sports fan I just was completely flabbergasted by that like that's a rare once in a lifetime opportunity to see England play in the Euro final in Wembley Stadium. What are you talking about, dude? <laughs> like, I should not have, I did not go off on him the way that I should have. What are we doing here? That is absolutely one of the once in a lifetime things that we should see. So, I my heart goes out to all of you. Oh man, what like that's such a bummer, and I'm sorry, but I I was right there. I was right there with you guys. I appreciate it, but one thing I would say is, and I think we'll all agree, if we were Italian, we'd be doing the exact same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame him one bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Before we kind of get. To get into it, I know we've talked a little bit before we started recording, William, but can you just tell everybody a little bit about what you do now and your sort of background in reporting? Yeah, of course. Um, so I worked with the Atlanta Falcons for four years, um, the Thomas Dimitrov, Dan Quinn era, um, got the opportunity to talk to Steve Sarkeesian, uh, talk to Dirk Cutter and really understand the X's and O's of football. Um, I'm not going to promise to know every facet of the game, um, but being able to talk to 
a lot of players uh, get some X's and O's uh, knowledge and really understand the uh, nuances of the game, I think has helped me be a better writer and a reporter um, of the sport. And, you know, I, I think that it helps me hopefully educate people about, you know, the nuances of what makes this game so much fun. Who is probably the best out of all those names, especially who was the best one who was more open to talking to you, teaching you? I mean, it sounds like they all were, but was one in particular or? Yeah, no, uh, definitely uh, Ricardo Allen. It would be the uh, he was the kind of uh, free safety for the Atlanta Falcons for a long time. His story, he's such a smart guy and he's somebody who I hope to have on my podcast uh, relatively soon. Um, and the podcast is uh, Believe in Falcons uh, on the Believe Podcast Network. But he is somebody who started out as a cornerback and then it was actually on hard knocks if if you go back and re-watch the hbo hard knocks um episode for the atlanta falcons season i believe it, it was 2015 um i think and he was a cornerback but basically as he evolved as a player transitioned to uh strong safety and really kind of understood the game in a different way. He was always the best communicator on the defense and was always my go-to guy when I had a question about the game and a, a specific play or something like that. I would go to, to Rico and I would say, hey, you know, inform me on this. And he was just such a student of the game. So that was always my go-to guy. Um, as far as uh, somebody who really understood the game in a unique and specific way would be Ricardo Allen. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so if we, before we kind of look look ahead to what's coming this season, we, we like to have a little look back at last season. Probably not something mm -hmm. you're going to maybe enjoy that much. We'll be brief. Um, <laughs> so they finished 4-12, and 12. And it yep. was, I believe, the first, I think I read, first time since 07 they'd finished bottom of that division. And I look back at their results, and it still hurts me that they lost the first five games, often in quite comical fashion, let's you know, yep. be honest. And then they just rock up to US Bank Stadium and absolutely slap the Vikings uh, <clears throat> on their own turf. That hurt. That did hurt. <laughs> um, and, and, and we called that... Great AJ part. Terrell game. <laughs> we we did say on our podcast they'd sack Dan Quinn after week five. And there, there was a bounce back coming. I wanted them to hang on to him for another week, and yeah. sure enough, they uh, they did bounce back. But then you kind of look down the list. Week seven against the Lions, they out falconed themselves. Um, Todd Gurley. Todd yep. Gurley. Um, and then they kind of. They won four of the next six, uh, but then it kind of fell off again. At, uh, just a really, yep. really odd season all around. I mean, all of it is odd, right? Uh, like, uh, all the, the 2018 season 
is a little bit of a, a crossroads for Atlanta because I felt like that was going to be probably the best season for Atlanta. Uh, I, I remember talking to my boss, uh, Matt Beek, and just the the 2016 draft class that had Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, Austin Hooper, uh, Devondre Campbell, all of these really good players who were so instrumental to the Falcon Super Bowl run now we're in kind of their third year. And 2018 was kind of supposed to be that year that everything clicked. And you had Keanu Neal get hurt for the year. He's done. Deion Jones is hurt for half of the year. It, it just, everything kind of fell apart. And I don't think the Falcons ever recovered from that. And, and so as much as the 28 to three joke is, is emblematic of what Atlanta became, I really point more towards that 2018 season because yes, everything fell apart in that fourth quarter during the 28th uh, meltdown, but 2018 was really the time that everything should have been put together and it wasn't. And so that's where I think Atlanta really missed their chance. I do think that Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot are really great replacements for Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov. I really, I think so highly of both of those guys. I think Dan Quinn is an excellent coach, a really, really good people person. Um, I mean, he's made so many jokes about me uh, during media moments and media segments, but I never, ever took offense to any of that. It was, it was funny. It was really, he's such a people person and same with Thomas Dimitrov. Uh, Then the number of times that, I even publicly on Twitter basically would say something that disagreed with a decision that he made and would run into him in the hallway and he would say something disparaging about, you know, the comment that I made, but he would do it in such a joking, lighthearted way that it was like, yeah, we're coworker. Like, you know, it's, it's so interesting and, and fascinating that, He's so smart and understands his job, but could also be a human being and be, you know, relatable. And that's what's great about those two guys. And I, I think the same thing about Arthur Smith and Terry Fondo. And, and I think the Falcons are really headed in a good place. But I, I really do wish that everything had worked out for both Dan Quinn and, and, and uh, Thomas Dimitrov. You know, it sucks that it didn't. Do you, do you, I know you said obviously it wasn't just the Super Bowl um, and obviously it was kind of the, the season after that more than anything or the pieces were supposed to come together. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like because of that scenario and the couple of results that sort of happened in that time period and then obviously the knock-on effect, do you feel like there was 
I don't know if you want to say a loss of confidence in the players with their head coach, and it's taken, unfortunately, them changing it all just to change the culture because it was just setting up. I mean, last year was a great example of the team just yeah. didn't seem to have any guts at the end of at the end of games, even when it was in really good positions. You just knew there was a good chance you was going to throw it away, and it kind of happened. But it feels like the last two or three years have been going that way. So do you, is it? Do you think there was like a, just a mindset for the players? Maybe I just lost whatever, even though they might have loved Dan Quinn. It just felt like they were, even if he stayed there, it was never going to change unless they got rid of him. Yeah, no, that that's a phenomenal, um, I guess, uh, point, James. And, and it's something that I've thought about a lot is I don't think there was enough turnover in the locker room. Um, I, I, I really don't think that there was uh, as much, I guess, new ideas, opinions, influences, competitiveness, things like that, that you really do need to have in uh, any type of competitive atmosphere, right? And, and I think that having a, a new approach, having a new mindset is very valuable. And I do think that when so when Dan Quinn came over from Seattle, right? They were they were the up and comers. When Kyle Shanahan came over from Washington, it was right after RG three, and then he was in Cleveland, and they had a really good offense that year with Derek Anderson and all of those guys. And, and so I think that it was the right confluence of coaching that really got the best out of the players. And I think that they got a little bit stale uh, when it came to the, the locker room. And I, it, it sucks because I, I think that Dan Quinn again and Kyle Shanahan, they're both great coaches. And I think Steve Sarkeesian is a great coach. Uh, having talked to all of these guys, they know what they're doing. And sucks like i think matt ryan knows what he's doing i think julio jones know, knows what he's doing calvin ridley all of these guys they're great players it just all feels like it got to your point james a little bit stale yeah. and, and a little bit like everybody got comfortable <laughs> and, and they made it to the mountaintop and then they didn't fully make the ascent and, and that sucks that they didn't but not making it all the way to the top doesn't mean that you get lackadaisical and doesn't mean that you stop trying and it feels like they did a little bit and unfortunately i came there one year after they did reach the mountaintop <laughs> so you know um, so in free agency one of, the, one of the players I wanted to look at and maybe talk about, Todd Gurley mm -hmm. he brought in, Mike Davis came in off the back of an impressive stint filling in for, for CMC Carolina yep. Gurley, I mean he's just gone seemingly gone off a cliff um, you know, 2018 he, lead, he leads the league for rushing yards with the, with the Rams, he's still only 26 as well, mm -hmm. which Paul yep. will testify is young. 
It's older than me still, but um, it's still young. Yeah, I still think um, I could be doing it in the league. So, <laughs> I mean, he's currently he's, <laughs> he's unattached. I think isn't he? He's not. He hasn't been signed by anybody. I guess no. the question is like, is are we done with Todd Gurley? Mm. Like, is that it? Is that the end of the story? So, all right, did you guys set this up because I went to Georgia? What's up? What's up here? <laughs> um, no, I, I, so I remember, um, so I was at the, the Auburn game when Todd Gurley tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. And as a Georgia fan, somebody who went to the University of Georgia, um, I have never heard a college football stadium as quiet as I did that night. Wow. It's he was one of the greatest. So my all-time running back is Reggie Bush. Mm-hmm. Todd Gurley is probably second on that list. Just his so his first football game I was at and it was against the University of Buffalo. He returned a kickoff 100 yards in his very first game as a rookie uh, for the University of Georgia. 100 yards all the way down the left sideline and just was an insane player And, and as a running back. And so it is absolutely just the worst possible feeling to see such an incredible player get hurt like that. Um, and, and when the Falcons signed him, so many Atlanta residents were over the moon mm-hmm. because he's, he's a North Carolina resident. Um, so he's, he's from the South not necessarily Georgia native, but you know, from the South and just seeing him play at the university of Georgia and be so incredibly talented and then get hurt, but then come back to the Atlanta Falcons. So many people were so excited to have Todd Gurley wear a, uh, an Atlanta Falcon uniform. Uh, the number of Falcons jerseys. Again, I was privy to this information. The number of Falcons jerseys that got sold with Todd Gurley uh, on the, with Gurley on the back of the uniform was insane. <laughs> he, Todd Gurley was so beloved, and you mentioned the the Detroit Lions game. That was heartbreaking. That was, <laughs> that was so bad. Oh my God. Um, but Todd Gurley was absolutely everything the Falcons could have wished for uh, because he was such a phenomenal Georgia Bulldog player. He was a damn good dog, as they would say. <laughs> and he he was a really good Atlanta Falcon uh, running back. And, you know, it, it sucks that it it didn't work out, I guess, the way that everybody wanted to. Or wanted it to, but Tiger Lee was really good. 
Yeah, it'd be nice if he can, wherever he ends up, <laughs> if he can kind of yeah get back to some kind of level, that would be good. Um, if we have a just quick uh, scan over what happened in the draft for the Falcons, Pitts was obviously the headline pick um, yep. at four. Um, was I, I'm just interested to know, and again, it, it's it, I had to laugh when I was prepping this last night because I was thinking, was there any chance of them getting into the quarterback? conversation given they were picking it for um and the talent that was mm-hmm. available and i kind of looked into matt ryan and i was like wow well, you know they must have been tempted ryan is 36 he's getting and i'm thinking to myself he's getting on and then like i'm 36 in two months <laughs> and i thought that's it congratulations I'm on, you know, I'm on i'm on the scrap heap as well and but... to be fair that's the reason why they should have got a quarterback <laughs> well so yeah i mean <laughs> You you hear a lot more than we do. So, what was the situation with that pick? Was it always Pitts, or was it sort of a last minute decision? Uh, so, if you hear, if you listen to Terry Fontenot, it was always Pitts. Um, but I I think that personally, I mean, I was really leaning towards Justin Fields. Um, I I just feel like. It's a situation where once they made the Matt Ryan kind of contract renegotiation, it became a little bit more clear what they were doing. But before they made that, everything was on the table. And the Matt Ryan situation was not clear cut in any way, shape or form. And I I think that it was probably an owner move and I, I do think that Arthur Blank and, and Matt Ryan have a phenomenal relationship they really do uh, you, know, you know Arthur Blank loves Matt Ryan to death uh, he's a very big proponent of all of his players if if you uh, you know uh, represent the Falcon way and and the the different values that Arthur Blank represents, then you will be a Falcon for life, and, and that's what Matt Ryan does, and he's always done that forever. So I was not shocked that they didn't go with a quarterback. Um, and I think Terry Fontenot said from the beginning, we're going to go with the best player available, and. Kyle Pitts was the best player available. Um, I mean, he's a phenomenal football player. Uh, he can do literally anything. Fortunately, the Falcons didn't have to jump up 20 spots to get this type of player, which they had to do with Julio Jones. So it it's not a situation, as Terry Fontenot will tell you, that they want to be in again. And... I think that they took a once in a generation type of player. Uh, whether or not that's the most impactful player remains to be seen. You know, is a quarterback more important than a tight end? Yes. <laughs> whether or not they should have gone Justin Fields or you know, any Mac Jones or any type of quarterback remains to be seen. But if Kyle Pitts is, uh, if he is George Kittle, then yeah, that's a great 
selection. Mm-hmm. If he's Travis Kelsey, that's a great pick. Anything like that. So I don't I don't know if the Falcons made the right choice, but they made the choice that they feel is best and time will tell if that turned out to be the right one. Um, but Kyle Pitts is fun as hell and mm-hmm. let's let's go, right? Well, being a Georgia fan, <clears throat> what's it like having a Florida player now being the uh, staple of your offense? So there are so many uh, people that work for the Falcons that also went to Florida, and I can't stand it. But it was uh, so. I'm I've been uh, mostly complimented, I guess, uh, by being a pretty good fan. Yeah, you know, I'm a I'm a relatively okay Georgia fan. If if you go to Florida, like one of my best friends went to Florida, so if you go to Florida, sure. Hey, we're we're all good. You, you and me are fam. We're we're good. Uh, but I, you know, I don't I don't love Florida. That being said, if if Kyle Pitts is a great tight end. Uh, then I'm happy. <laughs> James, um, who's your college team again? Florida. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, what's up, James? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all things considered, then, William, was the draft overall, was it well-received, ranked as a good performance? I think so. Um, I, I think Richie Grant uh, was was a really solid pick up um i my uh next door uh cubicle mate was a ucf grad and i got him a a ucf flag uh for his birthday so you know there you go i'm tolerant (laughs) of of other schools but uh (laughs) i think richie grant was was a really solid pickup um i think you know, they they said that they were going to go with best player available. And I, I think they did that, right? And, and it was a little bit of a change up from what was the coda under Thomas Dimitrov, whereas he kind of went with best player or sorry, he went with uh, position. He went with need and and uh Terry kind of went with best player available. And I think that understanding that the draft is really your chance to get just the best possible talents is, is a little bit of a a different approach than the Falcons have had, because it's not just that you need a running back, but if the running back isn't good, who cares, right? Yeah. Uh, but this was the, okay, we've got a good tight end or we've got a good wide receiver or we've got a good left tackle, but this left tackle has a chance to be generational. Let's take him. And that's where you've seen the Saints to pick a team from the division uh, or the Bucks. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you you've seen a you've seen a team that has really just added talent to talent and they even if the wide receivers are really good 
who cares? We're going to just keep adding really good wide receivers to this group, or we're going to keep adding centers to the center group, or we're going to keep adding whatever. That's kind of been the Falcons MO. I think this off season is who cares if we have Eric Harris or Deron Harmon, we're going to draft Richie Grant. You know, we're going to draft good players and that's really exciting, I think, to a lot of Falcons fans is, you know, it, it doesn't matter if we have really good linebackers. We're going to draft another linebacker. Um, so we'll see if it all pans out. But as of right now, it's really exciting. True, true. Um, before we go on to looking at the other divisional teams, quick word on Julio Jones' departure. That must have mm-hmm. just, you know, it's got to really hurt, obviously. But I kind of comfortable with him moving on at this stage. Uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I what I would say is Calvin really uh, Calvin Ridley is really good. Um, I I think that. Julio obviously is a phenomenal player. I, there's there's no replacing a Julio Jones, but I've never seen a rookie wide receiver as good as Calvin Ridley. And I remember watching him my first uh, day at training camp after the 2018 draft when he was on the field for the very first time. And he was so good. Every like you're not supposed to be as talented a route runner as he was the first time on the field. It's just not supposed to happen like that. And he, the first thing that I thought of was he reminded me of Keenan Allen and that just the ability for him to create separation, because the very first thing that you read about uh, Calvin Ridley in his NFL like draft profile, all of that was that he had trouble separating that when he got press coverage and people got his hands on him or whatever, that he wasn't going to be able to get off of physical defensive backs and he did that a matter like all of a sudden uh, as a rookie the very first thing that he did was get off of defensive backs automatically just no problem at all and i think that calvin ridley will be able to be kind of a julio jones hybrid a little bit but but I don't think that he's going to be Julio Jones. And and that's going to be the issue for the Falcons is can't like if, if you have Keenan Allen, do you have Julio Jones? No, I don't think you do. Uh, And so he's really good, but I, I I don't think that he's elite. Uh, And I, I really, really do like Calvin Ridley as a receiver, but I don't 
think that he is Julio Jones, um, which isn't to disparage <laughs> Galvin in any way, shape, or form, uh, because I I think that he's a phenomenal player, but I don't think he changes the game in the way that Julio does. I think the biggest question with Kelvin is the fact that we saw over the last, especially last season, we saw what he can be without Julio Jones. So we mm-hmm. know that going forward, he has got the ability to be pretty great. You know, everyone is yep. really high on him, but it still felt like he was a bit of a surprise package because Julio Jones wasn't supposed to be injured. He wasn't supposed to be missing the games and everything else. Yeah. Now everyone will be expecting that. And that, that's going to be the interesting thing, whether teams, when they're coming up against the Falcons, obviously we've got Cole Pitts in there now, but as much as he's great, <laughs> he's still a rookie and you just don't know yeah. how quick he'll be. So he's not going to be Julio Jones. People are saying that, but he's not going to be Julio Jones straight away. Um, but it's just, the expectation is now Calvin Ridley is our man. He's going to have to do what he's been doing. Like Everyone expects that. And now it would just be interesting to see if teams just set themselves up a little bit differently now because that's their main target. Um, but you're, you're right about the separation. It does my head in. Kevin Ridley's always, he's, you're right, Keenan Allen's another one. He's always <laughs> two or three yards wide open. Yeah. You're like, for especially last year, the, the Bucks playing against, obviously the Bucks actually had a defence last year, and they just couldn't handle Ridley in both their games. And in the past, we've just never had a, like a defensive back that I'm actually that confident in because we always stood 15 yards away from everyone. But last year, it was still frustrating. You mean Carl Carlton Davis isn't, isn't uh, just locking Carl- down people? He's elite. You you can't. You're not going to get to me at Colton Davis. He's elite. <laughs> everyone else, like Vernon Hargreaves and everyone else we've had there, no. But um, yeah, last year he was still seven, eight times a game was wide open, 20, 30 yards down the field, and it done yeah. my head. And I just don't understand it because last year he was your main go-to man. So it was like, why are we not doubling him out? Why are we not doing him in? What what's going on? But he just <laughs> finds a way, and that's that's great talent. That's all you can say about it, really. It's it. I've never seen just somebody move so fluidly. It's it's honestly wild. Like Julio, Julio is such a teacher that that's what I worry about. Is he is so good about educating the rest of the players on the team because he doesn't. He honestly doesn't care about himself which is so weird to say about a wide receiver, but asking, asking him a question about himself is fruitless. It it just doesn't matter to him. He, you could ask him about his, so he is a Kia dealership in Alabama and you could ask him about that all day long and he would answer any question. But if you ask him about the the Tampa Bay game that he scored that, you know, the the like reaching out over the pylon, whatever, he's it just doesn't care. And that's you could. So I worry about the lack of Julio being there with Calvin and Russell and, you know, Frank Darby and just these other guys who could probably benefit from having him around. I worry about that a little bit because the, the Julio factor, not just as a great talent on the field, but having somebody who could really educate the younger guys 
I, I worry about that a little bit um, because he was such a good mentor and teacher. Yeah, yeah that's understandable. Um, let's go on to the rest of the division. Uh, we'll start with the yeah. Saints. Uh, where are we with the Saints? The big question that we need to we need to get on to really is who the hell is starting a quarterback? Um, you know, let's let's take your guess, Paul. You're you're you've got a soft spot for the Saints, like we said. Who do you want to see a quarterback? Drew Brees is who I want. To see. <laughs> I can absolutely happily see that too. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's Winston. Um, just because, I, I don't know if you can hear, but there was a fly smashing into my window constantly. And I muted myself and not speaking, but hopefully you don't pick it up. Um, as James would know, Winston isn't, isn't an elite quarterback. But I think he's serviceable if, if he's under a certain restraint. Uh, whether or not you can do that to him, we're yet to see. But um, I don't think Taysom Hill is the answer. That's just my main theory on it. Having seen him play and seen him ruin my fancy teams when I had Kamara all that time. Um, yeah, I, I, I really hope it's Winston. Is, is your opinion coming mainly because of fantasy? Paul? Most of my opinions come from fantasy. <laughs> what do you think? I'm on the same one. I mean, it's hard being a Bucks fan talking about Winston when he's a Saints player. Um, I it, taking away the Bucks side of things. I hope for his sake he gets a proper chance at this because he's had a year in that system and he's, he's if this is his chance now. If he does mm-hmm. get his chance with who he's with, and he doesn't do it and he still keeps turning the ball over, then that's him done. Like there is no way back for him. I think you're right. I think with with the coaching he's got around him, a year behind Breeze, if there's if he can just get 25% of those crazy turnovers away, but can still be throw it deep and mix it up, I think he should be the guy. But I still don't know if he actually is the guy. I still think Taysom Hill might get it. But if it was me, I am the same as Paul. I just I've watched enough of Taysom Hill to think, okay, yes, he will win you a game or two. Yes, he can it can work. But it's just not for me. I just don't think long term it works. But that's you know, that's because I find him very boring when Taysom Hill plays. <laughs> when Winston plays, we know there's fireworks either way. But, yeah. <laughs> What's your take, William? Uh, Jameis. 100%. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think Jameis is the best talent uh, of, of both of them. I think, you know, Taysom's fine, but... James, James is the better quarterback. What are we talking about here? Uh, he's he's the better th- thrower. He's more accurate. Um, he, yes, has a penchant to turn the ball over, but you got to risk it to get the biscuit, right? So uh, what's up, James? He's he's the uh, throw it to uh, Deion Jones a couple of times, throw it to AJ Terrell a couple of times. James, what's up? Hit me up. Let's go. I was going to say, you should be on the Falcons, really, shouldn't you? But... <laughs> the other, obviously, fairly divisive character in their team, uh, there's probably more than one, uh, Michael Thomas. I think he missed. I think he missed nine nine games last season. Um, what do we think about him? There's there's the on there's that joke that's been around for a long a long time with him and Breeze and the slant and kind of 
what what do we see his season looking like with either of those quarterbacks? Is he going to kind of come back and prove a point, or are we are we not scared about him anymore? One thing I will quickly add: Jameis doesn't like the slant, so that ain't going to work. So probably Taysom Hill will start just for Michael Thomas's benefit. Is he still the guy? Don't know. I don't know because it was he was perfect for the Drew Brees system. Like Drew Brees, obviously, especially the latter part, loved a 10, 15 yard ball or even less, to be honest. But um, obviously now if they do go with Jameis, Jameis wants to air it out. Now Michael Thomas has got that ability as well, but yep. I don't think I'm not sure they'll connect. I'm I think we saw a bit more like what we expect from Michael Thomas. He is limited in what he can do. He's very good at what he does, but I don't know if that plan will be just throw it to Michael Thomas five, ten yards down the line, um, down the down the route. So I just don't know. Personally, I'm I think he'll be obviously more effective than last year as long as he's fit. But I, I think he will see a completely different offense from what we've seen before. And I'm hoping we've we've kind of you're with me on this James we've bought into Adam Troutman big in the off season fantasy yeah. wise we've we've been you know we're just making it happen um and I, I quite you know I I quite like Tracon Smith as a as an option wide receiver too I think he's a talented guy um it, it's strange with the Saints because we talked weeks back now um we, we kind of touched upon them maybe struggling this season. And as I've prepped for this episode and I've looked into who they have in their team and what they did in the draft, I'm kind of thinking they're not going to struggle as much as we thought they were. They still swindled the cap enough that they've kept a few more players than I thought they would. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure what William thinks, but um, they're still, because of who they've got, they're not going to be a four-win, five-win team anyway, even if they did <laughs> no. blow it up. So I think with what they've got, they're still going to be in some sort of contention for themselves or certainly there, thereabouts, I think. No, I, I think that the uh, the Saints are going to be really good. They 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 have a... Even though they had the uh, salary cap issues that they did, they are a good football team you know, top to bottom, like that, that's the issue with quarterback is everybody pays attention to the quarterback. If, if Jameis Winston is your quarterback, you're still fine. Yeah. It's, it's not the best situation, but he's an explosive enough thrower that you can make plays with Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill being your quarterback. They've got a good enough defense with Cam Jordan and Marcus Lattimore and, you know, all of the guys that they have on the back end, they have still have Ryan Ramchek. They still have Teron Armstead. They still have a really good top to bottom roster that the saints are going to be fine. They're, they're going to make the playoffs. If I would not be shocked. So 2017 was the last year that the NFC South had three teams make the postseason. I wouldn't be shocked if 2021, if the same thing happens again, and, and I'm not factoring in the Falcons in that uh, scenario. I think it'll be, you know, the Saints, the Bucks, and the Panthers, because I think the Panthers are going to be really good this year. Um, but I, I think the Saints are going to be really good uh, 
postseason contenders here, even if Drew Brees, you know, is not the quarterback and that they have to turn to Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, they're still a really good roster. And I think the Saints are going to be a pretty solid football team. I think the point you sort of hit on there as well, like being without Drew Brees now isn't probably such a negative thing. Obviously him, him, he's a legend and everything else, but yep. the ability, especially the back end of seasons, the last couple of years really has actually held him back. So even if James is a bit erratic, I don't see that being much worse than probably Drew Brees towards the end of his career. And the same <laughs> even taste of So people are probably overthinking that scenario a bit too much. Yeah, I think there's probably an element of everyone's always talking about how good the Saints are going to be. So And it's never truly come to fruition. So we're just like, let's mix it up and just assume they're going to be bad. <laughs> I guess. Well, I... I am I'm pleased that William said what he said there because yeah you you two will say you can't remember but weeks and weeks ago way <laughs> back when when we had nothing to talk about and we were doing stupid predictions for next season I said that the Carolina Panthers might win this division and it was, a, it, it was a while, you know, it was a stupid long shot take. But now now I'm all in because William said they're going to be really good. Um, <clears throat> because I, I don't believe that Donald is finished by any means. Um, he, th- he will be if it doesn't work out in Carolina. Don't get me wrong. But, um, what, just go into that for us, William. Tell us what makes you think they're going to be a force. Um, I think Joe Brady is so good. I, I really do. I, I think that, you know, he's obviously a Sean Payton disciple. Um, but one of the things that I asked uh, Dirk Cutter uh, a couple of years ago was basically, what is the benefit of tight formations? You know, having having your receivers closer to the line of scrimmage, closer to your tackles. And and what is that? What is that advantage? And basically he said, and it's the same thing as like, why is a slot receiver valuable? You have a two-way go. You have the ability to go outside or inside. And if you're much closer to the line of scrimmage, or sorry, much closer to the the sideline, you don't have that two-way go. You have the boundary to deal with. And so you can't go right or left. You know, you have the you have the out of the bounds. And so I I think that Joe Brady does a very good job of utilizing the space that a field gives you. And I think that Christian McCaffrey is one of the best players at utilizing space. And so that's why I think that his ability to use the space coupled with a player who is so good at manipulating the area around him is going to be magical. And I think that the Joe Brady coupled with Christian McCaffrey is going to be so good and so fun to watch that I can't wait to see what Carolina comes up with because the fact that they were still middle of the pack last year without their best player, I I'm very high on on the Carolina Panthers <coughs> this year because I think Christian McCaffrey is going to make a difference for those guys. 
I mean, personally, I'd argue they're without their best player this year. Curtis <laughs> <laughs> Samuel is gone. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I do like the Panthers. I don't, I don't, I'm not as high as you guys are, but I'd like to see it. I think as so basically for context, I think I'm Curtis Samuel's. I'm, I'm in the top ten at least. Curtis are you an fan. Ohio State fan? Nope. <laughs> oh, okay. And maybe I should be because I don't really have a college team. Um, oh, you're an Urban Meyer fan. That's what's up. Yeah. You just um, you took a punt on him being amazing, didn't you, Paul? Yeah, and now I'm stuck with it. But <laughs> I don't want to be any other way. But yeah, so I watched a lot of Panthers last season for that reason. And yeah, I, this is something to like about them. And I really do hope you guys are right. I've just been picking up a lot of. Dan Arnold as well in my fantasy league this year as my sort of very, very final pick because I'm just like, something's, something's there for me. I'm in. I'm there. I'm there as well. Um, I mean, the, the, yes, we, we know they took Darnold, but it's J- James, you said it about Denver a few weeks ago. Um, William touched on it with the Falcons. They, they, they're in that same boat where they could be haunted by the fact that they didn't take Justin Fields when they could have mm-hmm. done, they have put the you know they've backed Arnold and he's got some he has got some nice weapons there. So and people seem to be the draft the draft people now seem to be sneaky high on Terrace Marshall as well. I'm reading a lot of people thinking he's going to come in and make a pretty uh, immediate impact. So I've been drafting a lot of him. He's a good player. He was like not that top tier, but he was in that next tier for receivers from what I saw. But it's bit, once again, it's kind of what William said. It's the coaching. They, you know, they've got they've got the coaching there that you just know that they'll get. They'll have these little trick play, plays up the sleeve. They're not going to be your bog standard offense. They're going to be tough to work out. Yeah, there was last year. There was times where like Curtis Samuel benefited from it. He constantly, like, you know, people couldn't stop it because he would run in the ball five six times more than he was catching it. And having those type of players. The Swiss Army knife, shall we say, and that's what they are doing. They've surrounded it, and that's that could even. For me, I'm not as high about the Panthers, but I do feel like it's only a matter of time. And it always year two of a, a you know a coaching scheme. They they're trying to build a culture. They're trying to get their thoughts across. It's year two is when that starts to happen. So if it all comes together and, and a little bit of luck, and if Darnold ends up being, he doesn't have to be great, but if he ends up being good, better than Teddy Bridgewater, then he'd be all right, I guess. What's their defense like? Anyone? Not me. Young. Yeah. It. I mean, it looked it looked quite promising, to be fair. Um, but it still feels like that's a year or two away from being really good. Okay. Yeah, I I think that they're the defense for Carolina obviously was once a strength. Now they've they've kind of flipped the side of the ball that they really want to focus on. Uh, and, and I feel like that happened a little bit with Cam um, when Cam was the focal point of the team. And they, they, they're they very good on offense. I mean, they with Curtis Samuel, with DJ Moore, with, you know, uh, Chris McCaffrey, obviously, and, and those types of players they focused on that side of the ball. And, and so defensively, that's where they've really drafted. And I was kind of surprised 
that they didn't go after a player like Marlon Davidson. Um, they obviously got Derek Brown, uh, who, you know, is, is their kind of main interior defender, but not um, coupling him with his Auburn teammate and kind of a defensive tackle, defensive end hybrid type of guy the Falcons got. But it Caroline has always been known for their defense, which is interesting to see them part ways with that a little bit. Um, but they're a very good offense. And, and again, I, you know, James, I, I push back. I, I like, I think that I think Caroline is going to be a good team in 2021. I really do. And if, if I'm wrong, I will be very happy to be wrong um, because that means that Atlanta is probably doing better, but I think Carolina is going to be a really good team, dude. Yeah. I don't know if it's more hope. I just, I, I'm happy for everyone to be good in a year or two's time. You can all take your time. This is our time <laughs> now and then make the most of it after. Well, you've got, I'm not giving you very long on this, James, because we've all had to stomach your smugness for quite long enough. Um, just tell us, because you know it's true, when people win, they then become the, you know, they're the ones with the targets on their back. So how do you feel about the idea of the books being the team that people love to hate now? Um, I Because we've got, I'll tell you, Rob, two two words, Tom Brady. If you're, if you're going to be a team with a target on your back and you've got everyone up against you, Tom Brady's your man. Um, I will say, though, last year, especially the second half of the year, it felt like that was the way anyway. Having Tom Brady in your team, it felt like there was a media circus at the start of it all, which was pumping up the Bucks to be Super Bowl contenders, which even I and most Bucks fans were like, look, if we make the playoffs, that's a massive step in the right direction. This year should be the year where we push on. Um but obviously, once we did start turning the tables, no one wanted to believe in us then. Everyone was like, oh, you're just beating the Detroit Lions. You're only beating the Falcons who are at that stage. You know what I mean? It, and it was fair. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting because there was a lot of young players that stepped up as the season went on when people maybe didn't believe in us. And it, as an underdog and being a sports person that probably plays better at being an underdog, it's going to be completely different for those type of players now when the pressure's on, everyone's watching and hoping you lose. So... I, I am a bit intrigued to see how that goes, but obviously the Bucks have retained all the experienced heads that they've, you know, as everyone wants to say, the all the old boys are back. Um, <laughs> but that's that's exactly what you want around the young lads. And you know, if you're going to go back to try and win another Super Bowl, if you can re-sign everyone you had the year before, you're in a good position. To be fair, so you hope you hope we can just at least, if nothing else, just for one more year, just a bit of success again would be nice. James, did you? Uh cringe at all when Tom Brady did not throw the Lombardi trophy in a perfect rugby style to, uh, <laughs> to Rob Gronkowski? Uh, I, I must admit that that boat party, I mean, everyone has their opinion about Tom Brady, but this past 12 months, everyone must have a slightly different opinion of him because he is a completely different man in Tampa. But when I was watching it and I heard that he'd thrown it, <laughs> hearing his daughter just scream at him, no, just showing the responsibility of, I don't know, an eight or nine-year-old girl, and he still did it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Just the avocado tequila is the best bit for me. 
I don't know, um, James. It's like 20 years are not just brought back by one throw of a trophy for me. <laughs> uh, my opinion of him has not changed just yet. It'll never change, Paul. It'll never change. I was going to ask you, James, about the um, your thoughts on just a summary of what they did in the draft. But it, it's always difficult because it's you kind of you, you just add in depth where you're picking because you you, you yeah. don't need to do a great deal. But I found an interesting quote that I wanted to put to you. Um, this was a summary of the draft pick of Kyle Trask. Oh God, here we go. And it says, "This is an odd pick." Because Kyle Trask is not a very good quarterback. <laughs> There's nothing to develop with Trask. He's a pretty limited arm and virtually no mobility. At least Tampa Bay has plenty of weapons to help him adjust. Uh, harsh, would you say? Um, you know I'm a Trask fan, so as a Florida fan, that is harsh. But a lot of people are saying it. But let's face it, the main reason people were low on Trask coming into the draft was simply because he doesn't run he's not a mobile quarterback the old idea of a guy standing in the pocket making throws and not having to rely on running the whole time seems to have gone completely out the window and obviously we understand that Lamar Jackson you know Patrick Mahomes to a certain extent he manages to run away I mean in the Super Bowl he ran backwards but um you know we know mobile quarterbacks is the future it's the way everyone wants to go but if you're looking for let's face it we've got Tom Brady right now if you can keep him standing up for most of the game, his ability in his head and with his arm is all you need. And I'd rather personally, I'm an old style guy, I would rather have a quarterback that's comfortable in the pocket who can make most of, most of plays, as long as he's got a decent O-line, he's got a chance. Kyle Trask, if he is going to come in in two years' time on the back of this team and Brady, he's going to be set up. He won't be... I'm not going to say he's Tom Brady, but... If we keep most of these weapons, if we keep a fairly successful line, why would Kyle Trask not be at least good? So, obviously, if you're looking for the long-term option and the way the game's going, the Bucks have got it wrong. But if we are keeping the same coaching team, the same line, the same sort of team, Kyle Trask is like the younger version of a Tom Brady. Everyone said Tom Brady didn't have a big arm. Everyone said Tom Brady was, well, we just saw, we saw a lot of Tom Brady when he was younger. He wasn't mobile. So we are in a different time, but as for the style of player, I think Trask fits that really well. And if he has to come in because of Tom Brady injury in a year's time, for instance, he will probably fit that better than getting a Lamar Jackson type. I like the comment of, I'm not going to call him Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) He might be better, that's the problem. You made a good point, James. It's a pa- <laughs> passionate defence. I like it. Um, before we, we we have a little thing that we do at the end of this, William, where we're going to put basically put you on the spot um, with regards to the division. Have you two got anything you want to ask before we move on to that? Um, no, I don't. I don't have anything I want to ask. I just want to remind everybody that James just compared Kyle Trask to Tom Brady. Um, so, just there, there you go. All I can say is look out, everyone. Ready for the dominance? Here we come. <laughs> <laughs> so, what we'll do to finish up um, is we're going to get some predictions on the season for this division. So, we're just looking for numbers of wins that these the four teams are going to get. Ultimately, who's going to win the division? Um, who wants to go first? We're going to start off with the Saints. Um, 
Yeah, go, you go. Um, <clears throat> kind of off the back of what we said, I think they're going to be probably two or three wins better than what people originally thought. But I, I think they've got a chance of squeaking into the playoffs. I'm not that high on them. I do think they, for the first time in a long time, they don't have the depth. Teams suffer yeah. injuries all the time. So it's going to be interesting if they have a couple of key injuries, how much difference that will make now. Um, but I, I've got them down as a nine and eight wins season, maybe backdoor job of the wild card. But I, they're going to be tough. They're going to beat people in their own our, our division. But I just think nine, ten at the most. But I've got nine and eight, nine and eight for me. Ooh. Okay. I'll go. I, I'm in agreement, nine and eight. Um, for the same reasons that you've said. Mm-hmm. William? Um, it's, what, 17 games yep. now? Um, I'll say uh, 11 and 6. Sean Payton's a really good coach. He's just, it's a good team. Yeah. Well, I, I'm splitting the difference. I've got them down as 10 wins, um, which is amazing. Amazing, really, considering where we were on them a few months ago. But we also know very little. So, <laughs> yeah. um, oh, Carolina Panthers. We'll go back to you. Uh, James, you went first. I don't think I'm, <clears throat> I don't think I'm even going to be close to any of you. Well, especially Andy and William. Um, <laughs> I think I'll be <laughs> I, I, I might be getting the whole McCaffrey thing wrong. This is the problem. Uh, you know, he was pretty much not in you the team. <laughs> <laughs> I could well have gone wrong here, but I've got them 6-11. and 11, And I think they're a really good 6-11, and 11, and in some aspects better than they were last year. But I think last year they were actually lucky to get the record they had. But then McCaffrey coming back and in the second year, it, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they're better than that. But something when I'm looking through their schedule, I've got 6-11. and 11. Yeah. I've got boo boo. <laughs> well, I was maybe thinking about six and eleven, but after that, I've seven. <laughs> seven <laughs> I'll give him an extra win just to avoid a boo. <laughs> yeah, I've got I'll go seven wins. Okay. Um, I'll take one away from the Bucks. Fine by me. <laughs> William, uh, I'm gonna go ten and seven. Okay. Um, I will say I have simmered slightly since, uh, you know, I, I do think there'll be a, a bit of a surprise and I've got them winning eight games. Uh, so I don't, I think I have tempered my expectations a little bit, but I do think they will be a very, very tough team to beat at the same time. Um, we'll finish with the guest team. So that means Tampa Bay Bucks, James, do you think? 17, no. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's a surprise or not. I thought it was a 12 and 5. 12 and 5. I think we've got a tough, tough-ish schedule. I don't think it's meant yeah. to be tough, but I think it's just the self. Like we've just touched on, and we could lose any of them games. So I've got 12 and 5. I've got you getting 11 wins. Um, I did have you having 12, but gave one to the Panthers, didn't I? <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> <laughs> William? Uh, 10 and 7 as well. I also have 11 wins for the books. So bring it home. Bring it home, James. Atlanta Falcons. 
one and sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> um, I've struggled a bit with this because it's the defense again. Like I feel no, I don't feel much different than I did last year. Where I'm not sure it's a new scheme, so they got to iron all that out. But the defense, I just don't. I just don't know how good they're going to be or once again how bad they could be. I think they're going to be average yeah. at best. And the offense is going to have its moments, but you can't just rely on that. We've learned that with the Falcons. <laughs> but I've got them eight and nine. And I think they're uh, they could easily be nine and eight, but it's them and Saints for me, eight or nine or nine and eight. But I've got an eight and nine. I've got nine wins, which um I think means that they need to be doing well outside of their division, everyone involved, because there's lots of wins there. But I do think I think it's a pretty strong division. So I wouldn't be surprised if you guys split the wins that you've got between you and go out and do well after. So nine wins. Why not? <laughs> William? Uh, seven and ten. Yeah, I've got seven wins for... The Falcons as well. Being go. near a team just makes you more pessimistic, but doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you just know, you know it, the it does. It it yeah. absolutely does. We just yeah. just being being near them, you yeah. know, it <laughs> soaks, I, I, rubs off on you. <laughs> I think there's a lot to like about potentially a lot to like about that division. I think it'll be an interesting battle. I, I feel like everyone says that every year, though. And, mm-hmm. and to be fair, the Bucks are the ones that end up letting everyone down because everyone's like, oh, Winston and all the rest of them. <laughs> but I, every year I feel like that. But to be fair, it's just whether the Panthers do take that step forward, the Saints hang on, and the Falcons show that exciting offense that we are hoping for. I think that's well, it's, it's always such a weird division because, and being a Falcons fan, there's such a kind of dichotomy of who is the rival where the saints are obviously the old school rival, like the Falcon saints. They are the the old (laughs) NFC West, just the Falcons and the saints are the rivals, but there's the I 85 rivalry with the Falcons and the Panthers. And again, half of my family are Panthers fans. And, and so it's like, for me, my rivalry is kind of the Panthers, but there's also now the Buccaneers and, and there's this weird rivalry with the Falcons and the Bucks. And like you have work done and you have Brent Grimes and you have these players who have played for both teams and it's weird. And the, the NFC yeah. South is so unique yeah. because there's all of these different rivalries that have kind of come to fruition over the years, even if they're not, you know, tried and true rivalries um, that have come to manifest themselves. I think that's a good point because as, as a Bucks fan, we have no rivals because we've never been any scared. Like no one's scared of us. <laughs> rivals. But you, you make a good point. The Saints and Falcons are the only real rivalry because it goes back a long time. Obviously the Panthers yeah. have been around for 30 odd years. The Bucks we're an expansion team and we was actually in the NFC central with Minnesota yeah. and Green Bay and all the rest of it. So yeah, I feel like the Bucks have no rivals generally anyway, but especially in our division, but the Falcons and the Panthers did have a little rivalry. Um, obviously both made the Super Bowls were nearly back to back or was it back to back? Um, and obviously 2003, 
So you've had like there's been those two spells where the Falcons are good and the Panthers are good, and then it was like you know obviously the Saints weren't good at that point. So there's been a couple of times that's happened. So you're building up a new rivalry. I mean, we're going to have a two year spell and then disappear again. So it's, it's going to be forgotten about quite quickly. But you know it is it is because of the aggressive nature of the offenses. Usually they've all had good quarterbacks. Even when the Bucks were rubbish, we've had an aggressive offense. It's is this excitement because we can beat each other, and even last year proved that way. So hopefully next year we'll be the same. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we let you go, William, tell everybody where they can follow you, find your work. Uh, yeah, uh, on Twitter at Will McFadden. Um, I write for the Falcoholic. Uh, you can find that online, the falcoholic.com. <laughs> and uh, I'm the uh, host of uh, Believe in Falcons. It's B L E A V in Falcons. Um, so there you go. But uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. This really was great. Uh, weirdly, a lot of uh, English Falcons fans. Yeah. What's up? Yes. You guys like just all in on on Falcons as a bird, I guess. <laughs> Must be. Uh... What I like to say is you see what we're like. We support. We don't support good teams. So. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Everybody, you know, we're all thinking that the the Jaguars are going to be the uh, the, you know, known team of of England, but not, not Falcons. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, it's it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, William. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Cheers, man. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you very yeah. much. We'll speak soon. Thanks to you guys as well. It's been a pleasure as always. Yeah. Best division in the league. In the whole of the NFL. (laughs) Have a good week, gents. Speak to you all soon. Bye. Bye.